are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Seconds left, he's got the ball, he should have it. Isaiah hangs out of the ball, flips it up to the Raptors. Detroit is the city of champions again. Detroit Basketball! What is happening? Welcome to the Locked On Pistons podcast episode for Monday, October the 12th. And the bubble delivers a new champion. This is your boy Matt Schiff, the host of the Lockdown Pistons podcast, a sports writer here in Detroit City covering sports gambling for PlayMichigan.com, Pistons fan and follower my whole life, just like you guys, and a sports newspaper reporter for over a decade as well. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKDOWN, and you get $10 off your next order at BuiltBar.com. The Lakers have won it all. I've got some thoughts today. We've also got Brian Shook with another NBA draft profile, this time hitting up a talented point guard from the Tobacco Road college scene. We also have an excerpt a little bit later on from Hollinger and Duncan talking about the Boston Celtics. And I was listening to this, and as a Pistons fans, I want to allow you to let your mind wander and figure out where Detroit could fit in this offseason. With Boston, I thought it was a discussion that kind of drives home the points of what we're talking about. I got another excerpt from this show that I plan on playing for you guys later this week about contracts that could be dumped as well. So Hollinger and Duncan, a must-listen for uh, NBA fans and for Pistons fans as well, particularly with the salary cap minutia. And the Pistons are going to be right in the middle of a lot of these discussions here in these next several weeks. So give me a follow on Twitter at Matt underscore Shook. S-C-H-O-C-H, another underscore after that. Also the Locked on Pistons Twitter account. And check us out on Facebook at Locked on Pistons Dash. Matt Shook, but on the court first, the L.A. Lakers, they did it again. Ten years later, LeBron James wins his fourth title and his third different team as the Lakers take out the Miami Heat 106-93 to in Game 6 in a game that was over before halftime. A suffocating defense by L.A. in the second quarter continues on into the second half, and we got ourselves a champion. LeBron is the fourth guy to ever win three to win titles with three different teams, joining Danny Green, who also became the fourth guy to do it, or the third guy, or whoever, I guess at the buzzer, they became the third tied. I don't know. John Sally and Robert Ory, a couple of former Lakers champions, and, of course, John Sally the former bad boy, and Robert Ory, a spur who won one of those titles against the Detroit Pistons there. But uh, some Pistons memories as we think about some of those guys. But the fourth finals MVP for LeBron James as well in his fourth ring certainly deserved it with his performance in the last couple games and really throughout the NBA Finals. There's an argument to be made about Anthony Davis. We're not going to litigate that here anymore, but the Lakers went to six games for the first time in the playoffs after winning each of their Western Conference series by five. I know that we're all doing congratulations to Adam Silver, but my biggest thought is congratulations to the players and the for, for pulling this off. Uh, it's it's not, not all the, I know the accommodations were okay. It wasn't like they were living in squalor, of course, but for millionaire, millionaire athletes that, that aren't really quite maybe as used to sacrificing at this point in their lives, they did sacrifice a lot. I think that, you know, for all the talk of all the, the reflections, I think maybe that's not getting enough play about how hard it is to just sit in a bubble away from your family for most of the time and uh, making it happen in these tumultuous times. A, ni- a nice touch to end a tough season. Of course, they honored the memory of Kobe Bryant by winning a title 
and uh, that deserves us for some reflection there as well. In Game 6, LeBron James with 28, 14, and 10, 13 of 20 from the field, established the aggressiveness early on and really blew the heat out of the water before they had a chance to you know, ride maybe the goodwill of Goran Dragic coming back, whatever world that could have existed where the Heat are competitive in this game or win this game was pretty much erased early on with LeBron James and his uh, will to win this and, and get this done, get this taken care of on Sunday night. Anthony Davis with 19 points and 15 rebounds, 19 off the bench for Rajon Rondo, Doe, as he's called by Anthony Davis and LeBron James, 25 for Bam Adebayo and 10 I must have missed these this uh, this production from Bam. I know that we were all kind of passively watching the second half as it was a, a blowout of blowouts, but, man, Adebayo had 25. I missed that. But anyway, uh, I, watched, I watched the game, I promise. 12-8 and eight for Jimmy Butler. Um, yeah, just a, a balanced effort from guys that didn't play well and were suffocated by a great defense. And uh, three-point attempts, 10 of 28. Most of this was in desperation. It was a beatdown. The Lakers pounded the Miami Heat in Game 6. It reminded me of the defense, and I know that JaVale's not out there. Dwight is hardly out there until the very end of the game. It reminded me of when the Pistons went and played the Lakers right after the New Year. Sekou's in the starting lineup. But the, the, the thing that you remembered most about that game was the block party, right? I think it was something like double-digit block shots by the Lakers against the Pistons and really just suffocated them, cut off the rim, cut off the driving lanes, and sent the message that night and certainly throughout the season that this was the best team in the league, and there's really no doubt about that. But the thing that's gnawing at me today is, and this is kind of the the bad part, if you want to call it that, of having a more wide-open season where you don't know who the champion's going to be. You can see a world where Milwaukee and the Clippers, of course, famously those teams crapped out before even getting to the conference finals. But... Were, you know, were the Lakers a great team? Is this a historically great team? I don't, I don't think so. Given that the, you know, the the supporting cast, I don't think it's going to age out too well. Now, again, enough pretty good players where you figure that someone's going to have a pretty good team, a pretty good game throughout the course of seven. And uh, you know, you're going to have your Rajon Rondo game, you had your KCP game, you had your Markeith Morris game, albeit in a loss. But uh, LeBron and Davis bring it pretty much every night. And then you feel like someone else is going to bring it, and that was certainly the case here. But I, I don't think none of these te- these uh, teams were great this year. And really, I, I would take the competitive balance over the ten years from now. Do you remember those twenty twenty Lakers grand grandson? Let me tell you about that. I don't think there's a world where I have a grandson in ten years, but we'll see. Science could evolve. Um, good night in and night out competitiveness from the bubble. They did escape. Uh, some of the best teams as the tournament went on, everything just kind of fell in place for them in terms of their opponents. But that, to their credit, they vanquished these opponents when they might have looked like they could have been a threat going into the series. But that's how it goes. That's how. That's why you get the one seed. They deserve that. They earn that. Um, and, of course, the thing that they did night in and night out, especially as the series got to the point of closing time during these playoffs, that they clamped down defensively. And as Pistons Nation we love to see that. You can always play defense night in and night out, just like your basketball coach used to say. It makes me jealous to watch this team, the the Showtime Lakers, be the ones that are gritting and grinding their way to the championship. But uh, it just kind of drives home the point of a Pistons observer and how far and how lost this franchise has become in these days. And as another season goes by, another champion gets crowned. It's a little bit tough to watch 
in that regard, I'm sure you guys kind of feel that same way, thinking about this uh, pathetic Detroit sports scene and really this pathetic uh, decade of, of Pistons basketball as well. But congrats to LeBron and the championship Lakers. Hopefully they get a chance to defend their title sooner rather than later. Hearing lately that Martin Luther King Day could be a start date for next season, that sounds about right to me. A reasonable amount of time in between the season and next year. I always thought that December 1st was a little absurd and a little aggressive for next season. But more importantly, for Pistons, we're a month and a week away from the draft, basically. And we're going to continue our draft profiles from Brian Shook. Coming up next, Cole Anthony, you are up for your profile. That's coming up next year on the Locked on Pistons podcast. But hey. A healthy life includes a healthy sex life, but if you struggle with erectile dysfunction, you may not feel like your best self. If you want help with ED, Roman connects you with a real U.S. licensed healthcare professional who can prescribe the medicine that you need. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship you real medicine with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to roman.com slash locked on to complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to talk about, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today and connect with a doctor to take care of it. Just go to getroman.com slash locked on to get up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment, a free online visit, and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOn for up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment. GetRoman.com slash LockedOn. Yes, sir! A few weeks ago, host Matt Shook asked you listeners to submit your opinions on the top seven draft prospects for the Pistons. And after a healthy response from you, he compiled those submissions and unveiled a list of 18 players that you voted for in the order in which you guys selected. We have decided to take that list and work our way up and give a more in-depth summary of those prospects. So today we look at number 13 on the list, Cole Anthony, a 20-year-old, 6-foot-3-inch, 190-pound point guard. The son of former NBA guard Greg Anthony, Cole grew up in Manhattan and was coached by prominent New York AAU figure Steve Harris from a young age before attending Archbishop Malloy High School in New York. An opposing coach even commenting that he was the best point guard since Stefan Marbury at that age. As a sophomore, Anthony led Malloy to the Catholic High School Athletic Association Class 2A City Championship Finals, averaging almost 21 points, 8 rebounds, and 6 assists. He was named to the All-CHSAA Class 2A first team. Following his sophomore year, he played for the PSA Cardinals at the Nike Elite Youth Basketball League and named Defensive Player of the Year in that league, leading the league in steals. Anthony's junior season would come with a lot of recognition while averaging over 23 points, almost 8 boards, and over 4 assists per game. Cole was named to the All-CHSAA Class 2A first team, the USA Today All-USA third team and the Max Preps Junior All-American third team. After the high school season, he was back playing with the PSA Cardinals in the Nike EYBL and over 16 games, he averaged almost 27 points, 7 rebounds, and 3 assists en route to being named the league MVP. For his senior season, Anthony transferred to renowned high school basketball powerhouse Oak Hill Academy in Virginia. At Oak Hill, the accolades continued to pour in for Anthony, averaging over 
for 18 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists per game, Anthony became the first player in the school's famed history to average a triple-double even while missing a few games with an ankle injury. Leading Oak Hill to the semifinals of the Geico High School Nationals, he was named to the USA Today All-USA First Team and Max Preps All-American Third Team. He was named the Gatorade Virginia Player of the Year and was also named MVP in each of the McDonald's High School All-American game, Jordan Brand Classic, and Nike Hoop Summit. Anthony averaged over 14 points and 4 assists for Team USA in the FIBA Under-18 America's Championship, getting all-tournament team honors playing for the gold medal-winning U.S. squad. Anthony has also participated in the USA Basketball Men's Junior National Team minicamps in 2016 and 2018. A five-star recruit coming out of high school, Anthony was at or near the top of every recruiting list in 2019, with ESPN ranking him the second-best player in the entire class. Anthony decided to play for Coach Roy Williams Tar Heels at the University of North Carolina. While at UNC, he started 20 of his 22 games and played almost 35 minutes per game, averaging over 18 points, almost 6 rebounds, and 4 assists per game as a freshman, even while missing 6 weeks with a partially torn meniscus in his right knee that he suffered in mid-December. At the premature occlusion of this year due to COVID, Anthony was named to the All-ACC third team while also getting ACC All-Freshman Team honors. After declaring for this year's draft, Anthony describes his dream scenario on draft night recently to overtime. Yeah, going a high pick is cool, but you could go a higher pick and end up in a bad situation. Like, the the, the dream is to, is to land immediately in a situation where you fit, or a situation where you can learn maybe for a year or two, and then really start to, like, it's just, like, people get too caught up in the number pick. It's about the situation. That is the most important thing. So... That Tyler Hero, that's a prime example of getting caught. Like what he went, he was a 13th pick, got, in, got put into a perfect situation, like yep. the I, most ideal situation. So I mean, that's that right there's the dream. I will let you decide if he is describing the Pistons situation in that clip or not. We have yet to profile a prospect with a high school and college resume as impressive as Anthony's. This would suggest the very confident and arguably brash point guard can not only talk the talk, but also walk the walk. Anthony is a score-first point guard who is one of the better shot creators in this class. His quickness and handle allow him to dribble past defenders and get to the rim where he is very adept at finishing or drawing fouls. He has a nice variety to his shot, but shooting under 35% from college three suggests that he needs to be more consistent at that, although in fairness to him, he was the main scoring threat at UNC, so teams were focused on challenging him. Also concerning is his shot selection that at times could be described as anywhere from questionable to downright bad, although that may also be attributed to him trying to do too much on a less talented than usual Tar Heel squad. His instincts on the defensive end are good and his movement is is fluid and Anthony is a better rebounder and rim defender than his six foot three inch height would suggest. Although the main drawback defensively is his height because while he is able to guard point guards at an above average level, that is probably the only position he will be able to check in the NBA as taller guards wouldn't have much trouble shooting over him. Once considered a top five pick in the class, most recent mock drafts have Anthony near the end or just out of the lottery. I think the skill set and ability are things that 
would put him in the discussion for the Pistons at number seven. But I believe that Anthony is hurt by a deep class at his position that features players that are bigger and considered more mature. That being said, if the Pistons were somehow to move down to the end of the lottery, he would be a prime target for them to look at. Some pretty decent NBA comparisons are Ben Gordon and Mo Williams. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you on the next installment when we will take a look at forward Aaron Neesmith. Cole Anthony of North Carolina, the first of an explosive group of point guards that could be available to the Pistons on the NBA draft. That is coming up November 18th. That's right. Uh, we, We finally can start counting down the days a little bit, five weeks or so from now. The Pistons will finally get some new blood here into uh, Detroit. Number 13 on the Locked On NBA listeners list of players in the draft board is Cole Anthony. So a couple of intriguing names coming up this week as well that we're going to talk about too. But how do you feel about Cole Anthony? Is it someone that you think the Pistons should build around? Certainly a guy whose stock fell during his one year at North Carolina, for better or worse. Uh, and, and Is that a... a has he leveled off? Is this kind of the end of the upward trajectory of his career? Is he a guy that was better off as a high school phenom as opposed to uh, higher levels of competition? Is he get exposed in some ways? Or is this just uh, a tough year, some injuries, a bad mix there in Chapel Hill? A lot of unanswered questions about Cole Anthony, just like all these guys. But another guy where, again, appropriately slotted there in the uh, late lottery for uh, – for number 13 on the list. I don't think this is a realistic option for seven, but we're into the territory of players where a a reach at number seven could be possible for a Cole Anthony type, or maybe some of the guys that we're going to be talking about on this list going forward as well. But thanks again to Brian. We'll, we'll chop up all these guys later this week on Fridays with Brian. And also of course, most days bring you a draft profile as we uh, work towards November 18th, and Brian's working hard to deliver these for us as well. But up next, Hollinger and Duncan are going to be talking Boston Celtics, and I thought this was a really appropriate thing for Pistons fans to kind of gear up on, bone up on, on some of the moves that they might be making, and uh, you can easily figure out and extrapolate where the Pistons could fall in on some of that. That's coming up next year on the Locked On Pistons podcast, which is a proud member of the Locked On Network, your team every day. But hey, you already should know that Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever and the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious than the previous incarnation. The six new flavors are all great. I've tried them all. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Add that to the 12 OGs. You know about the double chocolate. You know about the toffee almond. These bars are 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. And they're healthy, too. They're great for the health-conscious guy. You lose or maintain the weight while indulging in a delicious treat. These are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. Everything you need, all the macros that you could possibly want for the active, new-age guy. Let me tell you about cookies and cream. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs. It's not going to ruin that keto diet or whatever low-carb situation that you should be putting yourself into. Look at yourself. You need a little low-carb in your life. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKDOWN. You'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKDOWN for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. 
you mentioned Boston. I mean, we can kind of dive into their situation a little bit more deeply. Uh, we imagine that Cantor will opt in. We imagine that Gordon Hayward opts into his $34 million. They also have picks 14, 26, and 30 in this draft. And you throw all that in, and they're at 17 roster slots, which is obviously you can only take 15 in. Mm -hmm. And then they're at $17 million over the tax, and that would be a luxury tax payment to the league. In addition to that, of $37 million, and their overall team salary plus tax would be $187 million. So clearly, you know, if you dump someone like Poirier, $2.6 million, that saves you basically $10 million to dump someone like yeah. that. So that's why yeah. those incentives are there to do that. So uh, I guess my question to you, John, is, yeah, Poirier certainly seems likely. Um, Cantor certainly seems likely uh, just to get the, those $8 million. And, and this is even without using the mini mid-level exception of $5 million or so yeah. to sign other players who you might actually need or if they wanted to make a trade where they wanted to take on a little bit of salary as well. I mean, that's uh, something else to consider. Um, what do you think happens with those three draft picks? Because to me, the idea of this using all three of those both simply from a roster spot standpoint when you're trying they to can't. contend yeah you can't do yeah. it yeah yeah i so i actually wrote about this for the athletic today um i i don't think they're going to end up using any of those th three picks i think the, the ideal scenario for them is that they trade the 14th pick for a future first maybe maybe one that hits next year or the year after uh they select an overseas player at 26 like leandro Bal balmaro let's say uh, and then they take the 30th pick, Cantor and Poirier, and trade that for a second round pick, like maybe like 48 or something. Why do you do that? Uh, because then the second round pick, you can pay the, the minimum, the rookie minimum, which is letter, less than the veteran minimum. So that savings, along with the tax, uh, basically gets tripled uh, at the level of, of tax they're probably looking at. I, th I think if they do those things, it, that opens a few roster spots for them, uh, lets them probably keep their roster at 14 all year, lets them maybe use their taxpayer mid-level to sign another guard, which I think they probably ought to do, um, and with, without their tax situation getting crazy, and gives them enough flexibility to fight another day in terms of if there's a really juicy deal that comes along, they still are sitting on picks then because they've traded uh, you know, they've traded 14 for a future first, uh, and, and so they can still bring that into a deal uh, to, to sweeten the pot if, if somebody truly uh, difference-making becomes available. So I think in, in the absence of, like, something awesome that's sitting on their plate waiting for them trade-wise, I think that's the way for them to play their hand. I agree with you there, uh, for sure. I, I think that that's something that they're going to have to do now. And the other problem, too, is if you use those picks, you say, oh, well, why don't you just trade the players there? Well, they really suffer from the driving the new car off the lot totally. syndrome yeah. at that point. Yeah. I mean, 26 and 30, are. I mean, there's no way those guys are going to play next year. So their value, whoever it is, their value is going to go down. I mean, unless someone is, like, really watching the main red clause closely. Um, <laughs> exactly. To say, hey, we really, we really want this guy. He looks good in the G League. And obviously, when you're trading a pick, you get more value for it, unless the guy really hits and turns out great, which he's not going to, or at least won't be apparent that he's going to, since the guy's not playing for them. 
So teams want to be able to pick their own guy at 26 and 30, not the guy that you decided to pick and then six months later you decided to trade. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, t- trading a draft pick within the first year of your drafting him is extremely difficult. Uh, you're you're going to get maybe not pennies on the dollar, but you're, you're looking to 50, 60 cents on the dollar. Uh, I guess one more thing on the Celtics too. Trading for future draft picks might be difficult because this is considered a bad draft. 2021 is considered awesome. 2022 could still potentially be the double draft, although I'm guessing they're probably going to push that back with all the, the COVID turmoils of 2023 now at this point because teams will need like a mechanism to start scouting high school players to actually know who they want to pick in that draft when high school players become eligible. But even so, it seems like and now you can't even really get as good of a look at these guys as you want to in the pre-draft process. It seems like this might be the least valuable draft ever. Wow. Least valuable draft ever. I, th- I thought that was last year's lottery after the second pick. <laughs> well, I, like people liked people in that draft, though. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not a great draft at the top. I actually think it's an okay draft at like 14. Uh, so I, I, I don't know if I'd quite go that far with it, but there's definitely more excitement about next year's draft. I mean, they might have to, it depends on the team. The, the thing about trading for a future pick is you don't know where it's going to fall, right? You have to accept some level of variance with that. And so you're probably looking at trading, you know, trading with like a mid-tier team for like a top 10 protected pick and then, you know, hoping you end up roughly in the same spot. Interesting stuff there about the Celtics from Hollinger and Duncan, another podcast on the network that you should be checking out. Hollinger and Duncan, some smart perspectives from those guys and uh, talking about some players that the Celtics might be looking to dump in the draft pick situation. I just thought that a lot of the topics that they covered are things that Pistons fans need to bone up on, particularly about the Boston Celtics, but also just the mechanisms and the ways that teams might be thinking this offseason as it pertains to cap space and maybe lack thereof for certain teams as well. But also some contracts that could be dumped. I'm going to play an excerpt from this episode where they talk about that as well, hopefully later on this week. But that wraps up this edition of Locked on Pistons. I am your host, Matt Shook. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Hollinger and Duncan. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow.